0: Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the World Hopper's Guide to the Cosmere. I'm your host, Arian, and this week we are staying on Roshar. I know, I know there's more to the Cosmere than Stormlight, but this episode has been kind of in my head for a couple of days, and it's been hard to get it out, so... I'm gonna talk about it. Uh, without any spoilers, uh, in this episode I'm going to try taking on some of the potentially delicate topics that have to do with the parchment in Stormlight, And my own thoughts on some of the ethical issues that our main characters face, especially in Oathbringer. So, spoilers ahead for the Stormlight Archive through Oathbringer, and I'll talk in more depth after the intro. Okay, so for starters, this episode is going to be about a couple of things. For one, Moash if you couldn't tell by the title. For two, the true desolation, the war for Roshar that's currently going on between Odium, the Fused, and the Singers on one side, and humanity on the other. The fact that the Singers, and I'm going to keep calling them Singers because I think that's the most proper name for them right now, uh, were the original inhabitants of Roshar, and that humans were the immigrants turned colonizers, was one of the many secrets that effectively shattered Dalinar Colon's coalition, Uh, and is suspected to be one of the key reasons that the Knights Radiant abandoned their odes on the Day of Recreance. Now, the topic of colonization, ethics, and responsibility came up in a recent Reddit thread on r slash Stormlight Archive. Um, I don't want to get too into it, uh, but there were some really interesting arguments on either side of whether Moash was truly wrong for his actions, killing King Elhokar and the Herald Yezrian chief amongst them. Uh, I know the general sentiment here is to vehemently say, darn Moash to heck, but the conversations I had have made some really interesting and reasonable arguments as to the morality of his actions, and I want to talk about them here. So let's break that down. So why, for one, am I focusing on Moash when I claimed this episode was about the singers? Well, for one, I think examining Moash critically is a worthy endeavor in and of itself. He's a fascinating guy. More importantly, I think looking at him shines a light on the true desolation from an interesting angle. So, for starters, let's take a gander at everyone's favorite character, uh, and answer this once and for all. Did Moash do anything wrong? Well, I say yes, and I imagine that most of my listening audience agrees with me here, but... Well, we'll get into it, but from our perspective, just running down the list of things we've seen as Moash's sins, uh, for one, he plotted against King Elhokar with Graves, uh, the member of the Diagram, ultimately resulting in the confrontation with Kaladin at the end of Words of Radiance. In this, Moash betrays the oath, as it were, that Bridge 4 took to protect the king, and even breaks Kaladin's ribs with a shard punch just for good measure. Kaladin, having realized that the king is Dalinar's Tien, swears the third ideal of the Windrunners. I will protect even those i hate so long as it is right when that happens moash flees later we see moash attacked by the fused and he eventually gives up the shard blade and plate he says he doesn't deserve them because he betrayed the man who gave them to him but then a small part of him a small voice says no not you it's not your fault this sentiment contrasted with the main arc for both dalinar and zeth in oathbringer that is taking responsibility for your actions is pretty obvious excuse-making, and demonstrates why Moash becomes so susceptible to Odium. He is giving up his pain, just like Amram. Moving on, though, we'll jump ahead to the big two things that really grind some gears. So in Oathbringer, obviously, uh, during the Siege of Kolinar, while Kaladin is rendered immobile, helplessly watching his friends the Kolinar Wallguard and the singers he befriended slaughter each other, we see Elhokar Kolon begin to speak the immortal words. After realizing his mistakes, after seeing cryptics in the mirror, Elhokar stands in the middle of a battlefield clutching the drawing that Shallan made of him and begins to say the words, only for Moash to run him through with a spear. Moash then gives Kaladin the bridge for salute before disappearing. And then we can fast forward to the end of Oathbringer, where by this point Moash has been impressing the Fused, especially one named Leshwi. Leshwi takes him from the monotony of breaking rocks, praising Moash for his passion, and offers him a chance to do more than kill a king well, to kill a god. And so Moash walks right up to Ahu the Beggar, aka Yezrian, Herald of Kings, the noble figure we met in the very first chapter of the Stormlight Archive, and kills him permanently with a dagger through the chest. In doing so, Moash becomes Vire, he who quiets, entirely committed to Odium's cause and to the destruction of humanity. After hearing all of this stuff, it's not really a surprise that people say hurtful, vicious things like, I dislike Moash. In particular, I think Moash giving up his pain and responsibility is the real condemning factor here, uh, especially in light of Dalinar's arc, and that's one place I think where he goes absolutely wrong. Um, But with that all said, some people do side with Moash's actions, and they've got a few good reasons for it. So let's take a gander from Moash's perspective then and see where that's coming from. So to start, we obviously need to remember Moash's story. He was raised by his grandparents, a pair of silversmiths in Kolinar, who were wrongfully arrested and imprisoned due to Brightlord Roshan's manipulation of Elhokar for his own enrichment. And during this imprisonment, the old couple died. Elhokar's utter moral failure is the driving force behind Moash's vendetta, which motivates both the assassination attempt and the successful assassination in Kolinar. Even Kaladin agrees with the initial attempt to kill Elhokar, at least until he realizes his commitment towards being a Windrunner. This question, Whether Moash was right or wrong, very much depends on the same debate we faced last week with Terevangian. Utilitarianism versus deontology. But regardless, whether Moash was right to kill Elokar depends on your viewpoint here. On a strictly rules-based view, it's always wrong to kill, or if you want to be more specific, to kill the unarmed, or to do anything potentially reprehensible for the sake of the greater good. And so, the assassination attempt, and assassination, automatically become evil acts without qualification. That's the view that Kaladin comes around to, I think, but I don't think it's easy for us as the reader to swallow. The same view would condemn and Colin for killing Sadius, and, as we mentioned earlier, makes anything done in service of some greater good immoral. On a more moderate view, I think we all reasonably adopt some level of looking at the consequences, even if we don't go quite as far as to become pure utilitarians. In the case of Elhokar, we as readers get a glimpse into the man that Moash did not. We see him apologize to Kaladin at the end of Words of Radiance, and we see him genuinely try to grow and be a better king throughout Oathbringer. Redemption and second chances are a huge theme in Oathbringer, and this is encapsulated in Dalinar's third ideal I will take responsibility for what I have done. If I must fall, I will rise each time a better man. I think that's why people condemn Moash for killing Elhokar. He cuts short Elhokar's path to redemption. Not only does everybody deserve a chance to be redeemed, but we actively see Elhokar begin to take those steps. But what if we didn't see the beginnings of that path? What if we never saw Elocar begin to take those steps, begin to see the error of his ways, begin to speak the immortal words? What if we were, in other words, in the exact same position that Moash was? If Elocar was merely going to continue being the man we saw him as, the petty, insolent king, who was running the Alethi army into the ground, who imprisoned Moash's grandparents, who ruined the plan to force Sadius into a duel, would we feel so bad about his death? I don't think we would. I've seen the argument as well, that maybe Elhokar wouldn't have upheld his oaths, even if he'd survived, That once he got back to the war camps, he would go back to being the terrible king that he was. I don't personally believe that. I believe that he was on the path to true change, but we can't know that for sure. Just as with Taravangian's gamble with all of his evil acts, the only way to know whether Moash killing Elhokar was vengeance that seems forgivable, is to know how things would have gone in the future. The consequences, in other words, have some effect on how we feel. But let's step back from the personal angle on Elhokar. After all, we might say that Moash is simply killing a high-value target in the middle of a chaotic battle. Certainly, he was rewarded for killing Elhokar and given the chance to do something else for the Fused, killing Ezrian. And so, the acts themselves might be seen as simply those of a soldier in war. But if we want to say that Moash has done something wrong or bad or evil however we want to define it, we might want to step back and say that he sold out humanity to Odium's forces. For that, we say, is wrong. But here's where we get to the central moral dilemma, and sort of the crux of why a lot of people believe that Molash is not so bad. So the singers, distinct from the Parshmen, who were the dull form slaves, and the Parshendi-slash-listeners, who were the subgroup of singers who actually faced down uh, the Alethi war camps. So these singers were the original inhabitants of Roshar, Upon humanity destroying their original planet in the Rosharan system, the Singers gave them a home in Shinovar. The humans, though, being humans, spread and took over the entirety of Roshar. Though we're unclear on the exact history, we know that Odium, despite coming with the humans, sided with the Singers, while Honor, originally on Roshar, sided with humans. The Oath Pact was formed and the Desolations began, with Singers infused, wiping out much of humanity over several generations. From there, we hit Aharietium which is when the Heralds abandoned the Oath Pact and effectively stopped the desolations. Then comes the false desolation where humanity enslaved the remaining singers and turned them into parchment. Now these parchment are treated by some people as slaves. Now, thousands of years later, the singers are back. What's to be done? So the parallels to real-world colonialism are almost too numerous to list, and the moral dilemma is difficult to say the least. I'm going to stay away from referring to real-world tragedies as we tackle this question. I I think that's probably the most respectful way to to do it. Um, I do want to say here that I hope any opinions I share don't offend anyone. I try to be as balanced and respectful as possible, but I apologize if I get something wrong or say something that crosses a line. When we draw close to real-world ethical dilemmas that real-world people have a vested interest in, um, I want to be as careful as possible. I don't pretend to understand the nuance of these real-world events, so I'm not commenting on them, uh, just the fictional ones that we see in the Cosmere. So, on the one hand, are people who believe that the Singer cause is justified, that as the original owners of the land who were enslaved by humanity, they deserve to be angry and deserve reparations. In-world, this view is taken by Nail and the Skybreakers. The belief that Moash is doing the right thing goes hand-in-hand with this view. He is merely a soldier in a war, on which he's working on the right side, and so, killing Yezrian or Elhokar is no more or less moral than any soldier tasked with killing a high-value target. In turning against humanity, Moash is fighting the people who subjugated the Singers for generations. I somewhat agree with this and somewhat disagree. We, because even if we grant that Moash is fighting for the quote, right side, I don't think his motivations are quite as pure as being a freedom fighter. He absolutely seems to care for the singer foot soldiers and slaves, and this seems to motivate his belief that humanity is broken, but I personally think that his motivation goes deeper. He's got an emptiness inside and a guilt that he wants to avoid. I think this is at least part of the reason he goes to Odium, but that's neither here nor there because the core issue still lies deeper. Who is justified in this war and who isn't? So personally, I believe that humanity is justified in defending themselves from a hostile military force. We're at the point in Rosharan history where we're so far removed from the original colonizers that the people affected, the average humans living in Elethkar and Yaakoved and Thelene, have absolutely nothing to do with the people who originally stole the land. Or rather, I mean, they are the descendants, but they, their actions, their moral culpability does not extend quite so far. They certainly don't deserve to lose their lives for it. That said, the humans as a collective do bear a responsibility to do something to help the Singers. To provide some sort of compromise, reparations, uh, land, whatever it may be. The humans of the present day may not have performed the sins, and don't deserve to lose their lives or their livelihoods, but they bear some responsibility to do something. With that said, let's discuss the Singers. And by Singers, I mean purely that, the mortal humanoids who were once enslaved by humanity. I don't mean the fused, and I certainly don't mean odium. I think the issue here is a mischaracterization of what the war is. I've heard it described as natives of a colonized land rising up and fighting for freedom. In that situation, deadly force would be justified. But this is not what's going on here. The singers have been freed, and even though they don't have land, they've marshaled together a fighting force under leadership, and they've managed to take over the entirety of Alethkar and other countries with a dedicated assault and siege. Deadly force, in this case, is not a necessity to get the singers out of their situation. In fact, many, if not most of the natives we've seen, have expressed an interest in peace of some kind. The foot soldier singers, from what we've seen, have little interest in a fight. The primary driving force of the war, then, and the main difference between the true desolation and any real-life war, is Odium and the Fused. The Fused seem perfectly comfortable killing singers to take their bodies or sending singers to fight in battles they don't want to fight in, if that means getting revenge on humanity. One of the biggest themes going on here is the distinction between the rulers and the ruled. Much as light eyes like Sadius show no hesitation in sacrificing dark-eyed men for the sake of immoral goals like profit, the Fused and Odium evidently don't care much about the individual singer as much as their own goal. When Dalinar offered peace and negotiations to Venli in their shared vision, she says that odium is the reason they can't have peace. But even Venli, who felt so strongly about the singer cause, has begun to see the very same flaw in leadership. So, it's easy to remove moral culpability from the average singer. They're scared, and they're alone, and they're following the only leaders they know who say they must attack humanity. They've practically been drafted into this war. But the Fused... Now those guys, I think, are trouble with a capital T. They show no compunction in killing their own, let alone their enemies. They spend hundreds of years torturing the Heralds on Braze. They follow Odium himself, who I think we can all agree has his own agenda in all of this. Moreover, we know that the original listeners initially wanted to avoid bringing back their gods, and that the forms of power caused them to stop attuning to the regular rhythms of Roshar. Odium and the Fuse, therefore, are bad news. In addition, I do think the themes of... Reparation and, and doing better and redemption that are throughout Oathbringer can be extended from just, the, uh, from just the individual, like the Moash or the Elhokar or the Dalinar, to the group. I do think that there is something to be said for humanity doing better, you know, rising up each time a better, better man, a better group. And I think the side of this debate that is condemning humanity might not be considering that as much as we might for um, the individual. So where does Moash fit into all of this? As a point in his favor, he does seem to show active care for the foot-soldier singers that he interacts with. With that said, he actively chose this side of the war. Whether or not he knows the full context of the Fused's goal, he's seen what they can do and has chosen to join them. He seeks not for peace or freedom, but to destroy humanity because he believes that their time is up. And perhaps most importantly, Moash gives into the void. He lets Odium take his pain, fill him with passion, and absolve him from responsibility. Whether or not he is doing good, he doesn't want to face the things he has done wrong. So, in conclusion, you suck, Moash. Thanks for listening to this episode of The World Hopper's Guide. Um, I'm hoping this style of episode is enjoyable in addition to the more informative ones, um, or more so, or more so, I don't know, uh, because this kind of discussion and debate is what I really love to get into. Um, let me know if you have any comments, counter-arguments, thoughts on this episode, where I went wrong, whatever it might be um, for this episode or the podcast in general, either in an email to worldhoppersguide at gmail.com or in a comment on the Reddit thread. Uh, if you like what you heard here, feel free to subscribe to the show or recommend it to your Cosmere-friendly friends, um, and if you enjoy the show and would like to support it, I'd really appreciate a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps to get this show seen by more people and widens our little community. So as always, uh, thanks to Kevin McLeod for the intro music, thanks to Brandon Sanderson for this incredibly complex world and these dilemmas, and thanks to you for listening. So see you next time.